Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the living word that you want to speak this morning. In fact, why don't you just now in these moments just pray and say, God, I just want to pause now. I just want to focus in. I want to hear what you have for me this morning. Wherever you might be on the journey, just pray and say, God, just speak to me this morning. Through your word, speak to us. God, we pray as your body this morning, as your people. We look to you, Lord Jesus, and we pray a blessing on Andrew as he comes to share your word with us now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are so blessed to have Pastor Andrew come to bring God's word to us this morning. I've been away for a couple of weeks, and I could go away knowing that the church was in very, very good hands. Andrew was looking after things while I was away. Um, and so can we let this man know what a blessing he is to us as a church. Encourage him as he comes to bring God's word. Nathan, I often think anyone, anyone says to me that I am a blessing. I'm so blessed by this church, to be honest. Um, people come sometimes and say encouraging words and say thank you for what you do, but I tell you, I'm more blessed being part of this community than any blessing I have. So thank you, church. It's a um, privilege to serve here. I was thinking actually just in the worship time too, last night I was reading just with the kids that story of the storm and the wind and the waves and Jesus calming the storm. And as we come to the word this morning, I was thinking... Well, Jesus, if you can speak to wind and waves, you can speak to us, huh? You can speak to us this morning. And so as Nathan prayed, let's have ears to hear. And I was just thinking to Lord, if, if wind and waves obey you, um, help me. Help me, God, uh, respond to what it is um, you're saying to me and help me obey as well. So as we, we come to God's word, let's come with that attitude to hear and obey what he is um, saying to us. A few weeks ago, at the beginning of this year, actually my family had what's not an uncommon experience of isolation, two weeks uh, in our own home, just uh, quarantined there for a while. And uh, to be honest, I, I find these, th there's, there's a part that I enjoy of these times, but there's also a part that I really miss, connection with people and encouragement and, and being involved what we're usually involved in. Um, but towards the end of those two weeks, there's one scripture that God really encouraged me with and spoke to me uh, through this passage, and I wanted to share it today with us. It was really on my, my heart, and I think in that period of two weeks of isolation, I had a real appreciation for the church, for the community. We can't connect as, as we would like. We really love the community. And so I want to read um, this passage to us this morning. It's from Hebrews 10. And you'll notice through it a number of times he says, let us, um, meaning let us respond, let us uh, move. Um, uh, so you'll listen out for those as I read here. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That's the scripture that was such an encouragement to me, or challenge to me in that time. And as we look at this scripture, I just want to give a little bit of 
context in the book of Hebrews. If you haven't read Hebrews lately, it is incredible. And the, the author of Hebrews paints this incredible picture of the supremacy of Jesus. And particularly to a Jewish audience looking at how they worshiped God in the Old Testament, he paints this incredible picture that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is above angels. Jesus is above um, Moses and the law of Moses. Um, Jesus' sacrifice compared to the sacrifices in the Old Testament in the temples, temple, he is absolutely supreme. We get this magnificent picture of who Jesus is. But as the author writes, this is in chapter 10, he sort of paints this incredible picture and then at this point the passage moves towards, well, how do we respond to this? If, if Jesus is who he has been portrayed to be here, if he's done what he has done, how do we then respond to it? And that's what he's moving us. He's saying, therefore, because of all these things, let's respond. And one commentator used this illustration to explain this response and the experience of responding. Um, I think I've got a picture maybe of a Tesla car. Let's see if it comes up. Um, if not, um, you can imagine a Tesla car, there you go, one of the latest 2022 models of a Tesla car. I'm not into cars, but I did some research here. Apparently this car can go from zero to 100 in 2.2 seconds. I'm not sure where you get to do that, but uh, in certain places you can. I guess you can get up to 100, that's fine, very quickly. Um, it does do speeds of up to 322 kilometres an hour, apparently. Uh, interestingly, it has a 17-inch cinematic display on the dashboard that you can use as well. This is the part that really interested me as I researched. I'd never heard of this, but it has 10 teraflops. Has anyone heard of a teraflop? Um, 10 teraflops of processing power enabling in-car gaming. So uh, powerful, powerful uh, teraflops there to help you game. And not only that, is you can game from any seat in the car, remotely, doesn't matter. Maybe, I don't know, in the driver's seat, I'm not sure. But it says any seat, you can uh, be gaming. 22 speaker audio system, and apparently it is the most aerodynamic production car on earth. Incredible, incredible. Now for the sake of my illustration, um, let's just say that one of you is a very, very generous person, maybe $220,000 generous, and uh, gives me the keys to a new Tesla, and they give me that. Amazing. I'm now the owner of this new Tesla that can do all of these amazing things. But I might own this Tesla, but until I take those keys, until I open the door and I step in and I drive that Tesla, I have no idea of the experience of it. And in a similar way, this is what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He has painted this incredible picture of Jesus. Comparatively, the incredible picture of this Tesla. But he's saying now, it's not just a picture, you need to respond and you need to move in to experience who Jesus is. Move in to experience what Jesus has done for you. If you don't step in to experience it, if you don't respond to him, it's just a picture, it's just a Tesla sitting there, you're not experiencing him. And in this sense, we see that the writer continues to encourage his um, audience, let us draw near, let us come towards God. And you'll see in this passage, there's many um, references back to Old Testament worship. You, you might have heard them in that passage 
Uh, he speaks of entering in the most holy place. He's, he speaks of um, the curtain being open, that we can go through that curtain into the most holy place. He says we can have um, assurance because of our hearts being sprinkled. Now you might ask, well, what are all these references meaning? But I tell you, they're incredibly rich as we reflect upon the way they worshipped in the Old Testament. Let me just um, share just a little bit about the temple and the way of worship in the Old Testament. Again, we might have a picture here behind me of the temple. Now, the temple had the outer courts, um, the temple had inner courts, and then in the temple, you see these blue curtains here, and behind them was the Ark of the Covenant, and this was the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. This is where God's presence dwelt. God's presence dwelt. And no one would go into the most holy of holies other than one priest who would go in once a year after a number of ceremonial washings and procedures um, that he would go in to meet with the direct presence of God. And he would do that with great fear, going to be with a a holy God. Um, But he would do that to offer um, sacrifices. Uh, They would sprinkle blood on the altar for forgiveness of sins of the people. This is the way and that they would worship. And so we see in this passage, as he, uh, the writer is, is painting this incredible picture of who Jesus is, he says, and it would have been so astonishing, really, for the audience to say, we can now go not only into the most holy place, but we can go with confidence into the most holy place. Why? Because Jesus' body, as he was crucified, the sinless saviour, the lamb that was slain, as he was crucified, he was making a way through to take our sin, to make our hearts holy and pure, that we might go through that curtain. His body in this passage is seen as the one that was broken. The curtain has been now torn that we can have direct access to God. This is incredible. And God, you know, in the the crucifixion of Jesus, if you read that story carefully, you will see this incredible, dramatic moment when Jesus dies that the the temple curtain, um, that's now gone there, but the temple curtain was split from top to bottom. It was like God uh, screaming to the world dramatically saying, it's now open. You, you, You may now come into my presence. There is nothing. I've done all that I can. There are no barriers in Jesus. Sin has been dealt with. And this was incredible news. And and the author is saying, because of this, this incredible picture, because of what Jesus has done, now draw near. Get into your Tesla. Don't just sit there and think about it. Just go in. And go in with confidence because of what Jesus has done. Assurance, full assurance because of what Jesus has done, that he has sprinkled your heart that you have forgiveness of sin because he is faithful. Do you notice that? Not, not, not me, not you, not we're, we're not faithful. If we rely on drawing near to God on our own faithfulness, we never will. Actually, we'll, we'll turn away from God and we'll drift of God if we look at our own hearts. But we accept what Jesus has done and we draw near to God. And this is incredible because what Before Jesus, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is all of these ways were ineffectual. They were not effective at all. Let me read earlier in chapter 10. 
It says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly, year after year, these sacrifices, it can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. Despite these sacrifices, it could never make people perfect, never change a heart. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. So going to the temple was a reminder of sin and the cost of sin, and even seeing an animal die in the place of your sin, it's a reminder, but it doesn't fix the heart, doesn't cleanse the heart, doesn't bring holiness into the heart. And then he goes on in the end of Towards the middle of um, Hebrews 10, he says, Day after day, every priest stands and he performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest has offered for, this priest being Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The sacrifice of Jesus, the supreme sacrifice, a holy and pure heart. I want to say this morning, we can draw near right in this moment. It's not a geographical thing, it's just in a moment to say, God, forgive me. Actually, it should be regular. We should do this. It's a daily thing to say, God, I'm coming to you. I'm drawing to you. Forgive me. Thank you that I am okay to come into your direct presence, not because of who I am, because you've taken my sin. This is the heart attitude of constantly drawing near to God, not because we are faithful, but because he is faithful in taking our sin. We might have direct access to God. And the author says, draw near. And I want to encourage us now, whether for the first time of receiving that forgiveness in your own heart, did you hear it there? We can be made pure, we can be made perfect and holy in one instant as we turn to Jesus and accept his sin. Or whether it be a daily thing, just continually drawing near to God, saying, God, forgive me. God, I'm coming. I'm drawing near. I'm not trusting in my own ability, my own faithfulness. I'm coming. I'm coming to you. I'm drawing near to you. Uh, it says there that we can do it with confidence and just reflecting on what it means to be confident in a relationship. When you're confident, you can be completely yourself. You can be completely open. You can be completely honest. You have complete freedom in what you say and do in that relationship. To illustrate, maybe I'll just share about what it's not like to be confident. Um, I remember as a 15-year-old, I went away to boarding school in Toowoomba and um, in the first few weeks, it was really, really difficult. Just moving away from family and trying to fit in um, at that stage with all the, the guys I was living with in the boarding house and trying to find my place of acceptance. And I remember vividly that some of the toughest times were at meal times. We'd all wander up to this um, big dining room and you'd find your seat at the table and there I would be sitting with other students and I'd just be just longing to be accepted um, you'd long just to make sure you said the right thing, you didn't want to be rejected, you wanted to respond in the right, right ways to be accepted. And I just know, and I can even remember it now, just being worried and anxious about so many things. Well, that is the opposite of being confident in a relationship. That, that is not how God wants us to be. 
God wants us to be confident because of what Jesus has done, that we can now go boldly, we can come confidently to him. Tim Keller puts it this way, he says, the only person who would dare wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access. A child running to a father. They're they're not not gonna say, oh, I wonder if I should use this word or that word or anything like that. They're just running. They're just expecting. They're just trusting. And in this passage, it said, we can come. We can draw near with confidence because of the way being opened to us through Jesus. John Owen wrote, and he said, friendship with God is built on constant visits, not less occasional calls for urgent business. I'll read that again. Friendship with God is built by constant visits, not less occasional calls for urgent business. A constant day by day just coming with that heart. Say, God, I'm drawing near to you today. God, I just, I need you today. I know I'm not worthy. I know um, that I've failed, but Lord, I'm coming. And this is the heart that we're encouraged to have. And he says, let us hold unswervingly to this hope we profess For he who is promised is faithful. We keep coming and we keep holding on to it because of who he is and what he's done. We might be tempted to not believe. We might not feel like we're close to God. We might not feel like we're worthy, but we say no. There's an invitation there. There's an invitation to go directly into your presence through Jesus. The Tesla's there for me. I just need to go into it. Don't run away from God. Don't allow our sin to distance ourselves from God, but come to him to receive him and to hold firm to that. You know, sometimes we just need to talk to ourselves, to preach to ourselves, say, no, God, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm drawing near. And he says, if you draw near to to me, I'll draw near to you. And so there's that first sense in in this passage. I want to look at the way he um, encourages us to draw near vertically with God But I also want to look at what that means horizontally around others. And he goes on in this passage to speak about the impact on others. In verse 24, he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're drawing near to God and then we're encouraging others um, horizontally, blessing those around us. And I was challenged just by that word there, consider. Consider how we can spur one another on. Just like that, consider means to stop. Consider means to reflect, to think, maybe to pray. And I wondered what an amazing goal each day for me to stop and to consider how I can encourage someone or how I can encourage others. Day by day, if we live in that place of just looking for opportunities to bless others and encourage others to consider, consider that and be intentional about that. A big part of understanding this aspect of encouragement is actually understanding the biblical, biblical view of, of church. Um, church is not, as you're probably aware, not this building. This is not the church in, in what the Bible says. Actually, coming to church on a Sunday like this is is not is part of church, but it's not the church. The church is you and I. The church is a family, brothers and sisters, a, a community that are connected. That, that is the church. Tim Keller illustrates it in this way. Um, for a while now, my, my, 
my boys have loved marbles and um, they've got hundreds. Thanks to the op shop up here, they sell them really cheap, so we've got even more, even more at home. Um, but so many times I've um, been picking up these marbles and I'm saying, Lord, why have we got so many marbles? And I think this is going to be a powerful illustration because now I know the reason I've had to pick up all these marbles because God had it here for an illustration for us uh, here this morning. So I can tell you this is going to be a good one. Tim Keller, Tim Keller says, we are not to see the church and the individuals within the church like a bag of marbles. You see here, you've got, you know, I don't know how many, 100 marbles, let's say, all there in the one spot, all gathered, but just bumping into one another, not necessarily connected. They're just, just in the same spot and rubbing shoulders a little bit. That is not how he says we should see the church. So if we want to look at a better illustration of what the church is, you can see a bunch of grapes. That is we're not just coming in here as marbles and just bumping shoulders and rubbing. No, we're connected. We're spiritually connected. We are a family. We love one another. We serve one another. When one is sick or unwell or struggling, we encourage them. And as a body, as I'll go on to say, we become healthy and we flourish when we know ourselves as this. And as we look around, even we don't necessarily see it, but we are connected. We're all connected, organically connected in the body of Christ. So if there's one thing you take away from today, just remember that visual. We're not marbles. We're, we're, we're connected. We're uh, like a bunch of grapes. We're connected organically. Similarly, the, the Bible says, and as he, the, the Bible describes the church, we're described as the body of Christ. It's another illustration of how we should see one another and relate to one another. I was just reminded in a conversation this week um, about my grandmother, who is an incredible pianist. Um, both her and her sister were just incredible pianists, and they lived into their 90s, but right up even into their 80s, once a year, they would have a concert where the local community would be there, and um, they would play, and you'd see these two older ladies, like, dancing off the keyboards. It was incredible. Everyone, it was the highlight. It was the last um, thing shown every concert, my, uh, my grandmother and her sister playing the piano. And I was thinking, uh, just I wish I had a photo of it, a little video even, to see. But I was reflecting on it and thinking of them functioning in this way. And thinking of all the different components of the body that made them able to play the piano. The eyes that were reading the music. The ears that were, were listening. The, the brain that is making decisions and sending messages to the fingers and the hands to move in a special and coordinated way, even the foot pedal, every little aspect of them playing this piano. And as all of those little aspects came together, it was an incredible song, it was incredible to witness what was happening as the body, all the different parts of the body worked together using their gifts or playing their part to make it happen. And where the church is pictured as the body of Christ. And I wonder, what would it be like if the hand just said, well, I'm not sure I want to be part of the body, or I don't need you, I don't need you any of the other parts, let me just play the piano just there by myself. It just doesn't make sense, it would not work. And similarly, as we look at ourselves as part of the body of Christ, there's a sense that we are deeply connected. We're deeply dependent upon one another, and God has called us to use our gifts to serve one another. Whatever those gifts might be, all different gifts as the body is different, but we're 
We're placed in community to be dependent upon one another and to serve one another. Actually, um, Andy Stanley says, he's been quoted to say, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. What he means by that is there are 59 verses in the New Testament which share of how we relate to one another. Now, that's the church. That's how the church is to function. And as important as, as even this meeting is, there are many things that we can't uh, do with or for one another in this setting. That happens in relationship. It happens in connection, in smaller groups and through the week as we encourage one another. We're connected in this way. Let me read some of the verses from the New Testament. It says, be at peace with one another. Serve one another. Love one another. It says that multiple times. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Be patient and bear with one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another, encourage one another, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. There's this sense that as a, as a body of Christ, as a community, there we are serving, loving, and encouraging one another, that this can only happen in community. And this is not necessarily disconnected from the first part of the passage. As we look to God, and um, I'm amazed, like often in my own life, um, I want to see God work in my life that, that I might spend time with God and I'll seek God and I'll pray. And that's important that we hear from God and we, we meet with him as an individual. But I was reminded as I read this passage that God wants to work in our life as much or maybe more in community to change me than just in this place. That God is working in and through the body of Christ. C.S. Lewis wrote this in, in Mere Christianity. He said, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. We are carriers of Christ to each other. It is easy to think that church has many purposes, education, building, missions, services, but the purpose of these, purpo sorry, the purpose of these purposes is one, to draw people to Christ and make them like Christ. And I want to say, as being part, I think I sort of said at the beginning of this, this sermon, I've been so blessed by the people of the church, the community, people that have encouraged me, that have loved me, that have accepted me, that have forgiven me and extended grace to me. So when we look to being transformed, let's not just look to go into a closet and see God. Yes, let's see God. But maybe it's stepping into community and in around other people to be prayed for and encouraged and um, challenged in various ways that in that community, we are changed. I actually feel that this is really powerful. Um, I mean, I could tell you about grace. I, I could um, give you a book or a sermon about grace. But the most powerful moments of us receiving grace is when someone extends us it extends it to us in real life, isn't it? When, when we have made a mistake or we've done something and someone extends grace, when we don't feel loved or accepted and people have just welcomed us in, does that not show something of God's love and his character? Maybe in a more powerful way than, than reading it or hearing about it is experiencing it in the body of Christ. There's a great illustration of this in, in the movie Les Mis. 
and uh, the story of Jean Valjean. Jean, he'd spent 19 years in prison uh, for stealing bread, I think, for his niece, his starving niece, and he spent 19 years in prison, this, this uh, well, criminal or thief. And he was released from prison, and when he was released from prison, he found it really hard to find anywhere to stay. But a Catholic bishop welcomed him into his home. And he came into the home, was welcomed and loved, and sat at the table for a meal, um, given a, a place to sleep. But throughout the night, it was too much for him to see all the silver around, and he stole the silver, and he ran away from the priest during the night. It was later that um, the police or soldiers brought Jean Valjean, caught thieving, um, stealing these silver, the silver from the priest, was brought before the priest uh, with a policeman there and brought before to explain himself of stealing this. And he, Jean Valjean was so astonished by the response of the priest. The priest, uh, in front of the, the policeman there, uh, Jean Valjean may be going looking to go into prison for the rest of his life. The priest reaches out and says, Jean Valjean, I gave you all of this silver. I gave it all to you, and in your haste in leaving, you forgot to take the candlesticks, the most expensive of items. Take those as well. And just gives him grace. And it was experiencing that grace that changed his heart. And similarly for us, as we join in and we connect in the body of Christ, we experience something of God's heart through one another. God doesn't want to just tell us that he loves us. He shows us in this community. And this is the encouragement out of this passage to continue to love one another, encourage one another, build each other up. And then in that process, we are a part it's an incredible responsibility, but incredibly powerful to realize that we are a part of showing God's love to our brothers and sisters, that they might continue to grow and be changed. And that's why things like connect groups are so important, that we want people to be meeting in and joining and experience, to be known and to be encouraged in connect groups, not just to hear from God's word, but to have friends that are on the journey with them. I'm looking forward to the um, connect group series starting up in James soon, to I encourage people to join in in that way. And I love witnessing the care that happens within these groups. And I know there's people watching online this morning that for whatever reason aren't able to be uh, here in person, but community can happen in those places online. And I wanna encourage, like we are looking forward to have many online connect groups at this time where people can be known and be encouraged and, and build friendships and connections in those smaller groups. A KYB is another good one. Or the prayer groups, I see the connections that are made in these prayer groups. Or the, the ministry teams, it's not just doing ministry. I watch these teams, as people are doing ministry, they're building friendships, they're encouraging one another, they're praying for one another. And as we do that, we are growing and, being, and, and experiencing more and more of God. I was so encouraged this week, uh, received a text from someone, just an invitation to catch up, and he sent me an invitation but it was like a GPS uh, spot. It was in, like a, in the Bunya Forest, like a nice little picnic area to catch up. And we went in there, and it was just a beautiful place. Like You could have been anywhere. It's just surrounded by bush. And we went there, and we just had a time together praying with one another. But he said, I often uh, bring people here um, just to sit and to talk and to pray and encourage. And I thought, what an, a powerful impact. Someone intentionally considering how they can encourage 
other people, getting beside them. And everyone's gifts are different. I know I've been so blessed um, as a family from time to time to receive practical meals, like a sign of God's love and care for us in that moment. Some cook, some sit with people, some do practical jobs around the place. It doesn't matter. It's using our gifts to serve one another. We're called into that community. And as we do that, we will all be impacted and, and know God's love more. But more than that, as people witness the love of God within the community, and we've seen this, people have commented, they see something of God. Uh, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So as we love one another, people will also see that we are disciples of Jesus. Tony Campolo, a preacher in America, shares this true story of when he was traveling in Hawaii uh, for a meeting for a conference. And because of the six hour time difference, he found himself wide awake at 3 a.m. He couldn't sleep and was really hungry, so he thought he'd leave and see if there was anything open to get something to eat. And he went down this sort of alley and found a cafe there and sat and had something to eat. And he saw a number of ladies just around him there eating and he, he before too long realized that they were prostitutes. And listening in, he found out one of the ladies' name was Agnes. And in her conversation, she said to her friend, uh, tomorrow is my birthday. And the friend responded and said, oh, what, what are you gonna do for your birthday? How are you gonna celebrate your birthday? And she said, oh, I've, I've actually never ever had a celebration for my birthday. And uh, soon, soon after, the ladies left and Tony Campolo was still there and he spoke to the owner of the cafe and says, do, do you know those ladies? And he said, yep, they're regularly here. I know all the, the people that come in at this time of night. Uh, he said, oh, well, Agnes, one of those ladies, it's her birthday tomorrow and I would love to throw a party for her. Could you help me? And Tony said, I'm gonna, I'll get the streamers, I'll get the, the decorations, I'll get a cake, I'll do all of that. Um, If you know all of her friends, could you invite them? And this time tomorrow night, we will have a party for Agnes. We'll have a big birthday party. So at 2.30, Tony Campola, in the morning the next day, Tony Campola got up and he helped um, set up this diner in the cafe uh, for a party for Agnes. They put up the signs, got the cake ready. All her friends gathered, and before too long, um, Tony realized that all of her friends were prostitutes, and they gathered there for the party. And at 3.30, Agnes arrived, and they yelled, happy birthday, they yelled and sang for her, and she was completely overwhelmed. Uh, She couldn't stand, she sat down, she couldn't, because of the tears, she couldn't even blow out the candles of her own cake, and she was so impacted. So impacted, she was given a knife to cut the cake and said, no, I I, I don't wanna cut the cake. Is it all right if I don't cut the cake and I just wanna keep it? Um, I live down the street, can I just put in a box and I'm gonna take it home to keep the cake? And so she ran off and took this cake back home and Tony found himself just left with these, a group of prostitutes there. He's like, I didn't know what to do. So he said, I just prayed. And um, he began to pray and give thanks for Agnes and pray that God would give, you know, be good to her and bless her. And after he finished his prayer, the owner of the the diner said, "Um, I didn't know you were a preacher. Uh, He said, uh, what sort of church do you belong to? And uh, Tony Campolo said, I belong to a kind of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 a.m. 
And uh, with hostility in his face, he said, no, you can't be, that's not true. He said, if, if there was a church like that, I'd wanna be a part of a church like that. That was the response of the, the diner. I wanna be a part of a church like that. Because he saw love, because he saw good works, he saw the love of Tony, the love of the body. People see that love and are attracted to that love. Tell you what we're a part of in the church, but what, what we're not perfect is a powerful sign of love. It's a powerful community and it's attractive for people to be part of this. And we wanna ask God to help us continue to be that community of love, continually encouraging one another to good works, to love and encourage one another. Would you pray with me as we ask God to help us in that? Lord, thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly, Lord. Thanks for this this picture of your body, Lord, loving and encouraging one another. Thank you that we see that you love us in the cross. We see something of your character, but Lord, thank you that we're also blessed in community. We see the character of God through those that get beside us, those that pray for us, those that encourage us, those that challenge us. Thank you, Lord, that this is your design. It's your design to to not be isolated, but coming into community. However, we can do that, Lord in small groups or even in the courtyard in various ways, even online in small groups. God, help us to continue to love one another in community, dependent upon one another, serving one another. And just felt this morning as as I was praying that maybe for some people, maybe you've even sought God, and maybe in the quiet place, seeking God for change and transformation. But I just had that impression that sometimes transformation and healing and growth only comes through community. It only comes through stepping in and asking someone else for a prayer or doing a journey with someone or serving outside of yourself. I just wanted to pray for anyone you know, that might feel like that. And, and maybe it's even a challenge to step into community. I just wanna pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us step in. And Father, I pray that we would experience the healing nature of your character within community. Help us not not be afraid to step in and experience your love. Help us to know your grace and your forgiveness through the lives of others. Help us not to be fearful, Lord. Help us not to necessarily be like marbles, but be intricately connected and dependent upon one another as a body. Lord, lead each one of us how we can use our gifts to bless one another. And Lord, we wanna thank you so much for your work on the cross. And I just wanna pray, uh, Lord, for any of us here, maybe even for the first time that have never received that forgiveness, that right now in our hearts, we can draw near to you. Just right now, in an instant, just we can even just confess our sins. Sorry, God, please forgive me. Lord, thank you for coming for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I wanna receive your forgiveness right now. Thank you that it's not dependent upon my faithfulness. Thank you, God, that you are faithful. Faithful. Thank you that we can hold on to hope. We can hold on to you. Lord, help us to know these promises, we pray. And Father, we do pray that you continue to lead us to be a community of love that will impact the community. That people will come as they have done in the past, continue to say, what is it that's different about this place? Help us to be that community, Lord, that other people will experience the fullness of your love for them. We thank you and praise you. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship so you can please stand as uh, we continue to worship. And as you do that, let's draw near to God as we continue to worship here this morning.
Amen. What a blessing to be part of His family, part of the body of Christ, the Kingdom of God going forward. What a great word for us at the start of this year as well. And I want to pray, just ask God to bless, to continue to have His hand of this unity we've known as a body of Christ is so important, the love and care that takes place, so many acts of kindness and love for one another I know that take place right across this church all the time. As Andrew was sharing, um, I thought of Jesus' words he spoke in John 13 where he said, let me give you a, a new command, love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognise that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for one another. That is our calling church, to keep loving and caring for each other well and loving our world and caring for those in our world to step in. So let me pray and ask God just to bless um, us as a church family this morning. Lord, we come before you. We say thank you for this word. We've heard from you. Your call for us to continue. All the for one another's Lord. We want to be for one another. We want to be encouraging and standing with each other and blessing and, and, and seeking to continue, Lord, just to see others know more and more of your love and, and your truth, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, just your blessing over us as a church. Lord, thank you for the unity we've known. We pray continue to protect that. And fill us with your grace and your love, Lord. We need it. Do, Lord, in our own lives every day. And so, Lord, just fill us with that. And we pray that through that, our deep love and care, Lord, on the vine together, Lord, all from the same source, connected with one another, Lord, that together we will know more and more of your presence with us, Holy Spirit. Your Spirit moving among us and filling us. And then others as they come in, Lord, they would feel so loved and welcome wherever they've been on the journey of life, whatever's taken place, Lord, they would step in here and they would know that they are loved, that they are welcomed. In fact, any here this morning who have come, maybe you're here this morning, Jesus wants you to know that you're so welcome here in this place. You're so welcome, part of His family. So, Lord, continue to use us corporately as your people to be a welcoming community as you called us to, Lord loving people well in your name, caring for people, stepping in, Lord, we have called to not to shrink back, Lord, not to take the easy or the comfortable route, but Lord, to step in and to love well in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, bless this year ahead. We're so expectant for the good things you have in store. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. So good to have you sharing with us if you're online as well. We're just so keen to keep helping you connect in with us as well. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just want to, again, just say how glad we are you could link with us today. Do stay around for a tea and coffee in the courtyard, but God bless you. We look forward to sharing together again soon.